so groovy today. Good job, guys. That was awesome. <laughs> I know. You have, if I'd said that was awesome, it was fantastic, you guys would have clapped a lot louder. I said it's groovy. You're like not even sure what to do with that word. Uh, are we supposed to clap for groovy? I don't know. Well, glad you guys are here today. Um, if, if you are interested in another worship experience that we have, if you are in a young adult variety, uh, whatever that means, uh, we have young adults from somewhere in the late teens to mid-30s or maybe more even sometimes. We have another worship experience at Sunday night called Project 215, and uh, it is a laid-back kind of a feel. Uh, it's a, um, a really very, very directed toward that age group and uh, the teaching. A lot of times we do a lot of the similar kind of themes that we're doing in here, but sometimes we even do it more conversationally. Josh leads most of those uh, teachings. I do one occasionally, and then we have some other people who come in as well. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you are of that age group and you want to do that, you can feel free to worship there. We have some young adults who go to both Sunday morning and Sunday night. Uh, we have some that go exclusively to Sunday night. We have communion on Sunday night. We take offerings Sunday night. Everything we do here, uh, we do over there. And then sometimes, and especially this is the reason I'm making this announcement, it applies to others of you whose kids are in sporting activities on Sunday morning during the fall, and this gives you an opportunity to not skip out on the weekend and make sure that you're in a worship experience and uh, that you're enjoying that, learning and growing. It's really important. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. Uh, Gary Ingrid, in his book, Hearts of Iron, Feet of Clay, tells about a cruise ship one time that was being battered by the waves and the wind. And some curiosity seekers went out onto the deck of the boat to see what was happening. And in the midst of all the chaos, a young woman fell overboard. Everybody was struck with panic and fear in this moment. They didn't know what to do or how to help her. And suddenly the oldest man on the ship, an 80-year-old man, uh, went overboard and went into the water and then held on to her and, until a lifeboat was able to come by and rescue them. Everybody was so impressed by this 80-year-old man that he would be the one with enough courage to, to get into the water and jump in the water. And so they celebrated. They threw him a little party that night, a celebration of, of his heroism in this moment. And so they said, please, give us a speech. Give us a speech. And he stood up and he went, ah, I only have one. Wait a minute. Um, that's a smoker voice, an old man voice. I, I only have one question. Who's the whippersnapper who pushed me in the water? Well, when it comes to deciding to do something, I feel like all of us sometimes need a little push. And this is, series is all about that. Last week was I have decided to follow Jesus. And we got to celebrate with about 12 people who said that they wanted to follow Jesus. And we were able to celebrate with them last week. and It was, it was awesome. Today, we're going to talk about I have decided to play my part. Next week, Josh is going to teach on I have decided to grow deeper. And then the last week in the series, we're going to go, I have decided to be a blessing to other people. We're going to talk about what does it means to live your life in support of other people and how can you bless and minister to them. But today we're going to talk about how do I play my part? I've decided to play my part. And all of us may know it's good. We may believe that it's a good thing to do. But sometimes we do need a little push. And that's what I'm going to do today is to the best way that I can to encourage you, to help inspire you, to motivate you through the scripture, to be involved in serving other people. Jesus, of course, is our example. He was really good at balancing time alone with the Father, time where he got off by himself to pray, and then other times where he spent uh, times in just the work of the Lord, where he just spent time working and serving. John 4.34 says that Jesus came to do the will of the Father and to accomplish his work. 
Mark 10, 43, Jesus said, Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Colossians 1.10, Paul reminds us that living a life that pleases the Lord requires us to bear fruit in every good work. So, I mean, I'm assuming that all of us want to please the Lord. If you want to do that, the Bible says you bear fruit in every good work. You are called to be a blessing and a minister to other people. And it is a blessing, not just to, to them, but to us. And, I mean, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, I never grew so much as when I led the elementary small group? Or when I had to study the Bible just to keep ahead of them. Or I never grew so fast as when I started to visit people uh, in their homes who had needs after surgery or maybe in the nursing home. Or when I started leading that community group or hosting that community group, I never grew more than when I did that. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in, in a passage in Romans chapter 12 that deals with all of us playing our part. So if you have your Bibles, you can look there or you can look on the side screens. And I really want to encourage you today because I believe that true service, service that the Lord requires, service that blesses us and blesses others, begins with transformation. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in other words, in view of what he has done for us, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, that you are now serving others. You are holy, you are pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his perfect, his pleasing will. A lot of times people ask me, Stephen, how do I know God's will for my life? And I say, well, there is God's general will and there's God's specific will. God's general will is that you would know him, that you would become a follower of his, that you'd be a Christian. His general will is that you would pray, that you'd spend time communicating with him. His general will is that you would read the word of God, that you would serve other people, that you would that you would follow, that you would lead your family well. That is God's general will. But then God occasionally steps into time and space and gives some specific will for your life, something he wants you to do where he steps in and says, this is the direction I want you to go. But here's what my experience is. Unless you are following God's general will in your life, he is not going to reveal that specific will in your life. Does that make sense to everybody? Unless you are following him as a believer in his, unless you are serving him, unless you are worshiping him on a regular basis, then focus on that first. Then God reveals other things to you. And what I'm saying is, if you want to know God's will, part of his will is that you would serve in other people in your life. And Paul starts by this, this passage by saying, if you want to please God, that's what you would do. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. What's the pattern of the world? Not Certainly not to serve other people. The pattern of the world is to serve ourselves. Just listen to the music. Frank Sinatra used to sing, I did it what? I did it my way. Burger King used to say, you can have it your way. Do whatever you want. You want onions, no onions? Who cares? You choose. You get to make the decision. And this attitude prevails our culture, but sometimes it even prevails our church. I see people in business who a lot of times are encouraged to climb the ladder of success by stepping on other people. Or people in counseling sessions are encouraged, you just need to be happy, so you should dump that other person, that spouse that you have. Talk shows tell us, just do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Just do whatever makes you happy. That's the culture. Jesus says something different. He said the first will be last, the last will be first. He says if you want to grow in Christ and you want to impact this culture, you've got to go counterculture. Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed. And we love stories of transformation. 
I, I like the movies. I, I don't. I don't. I don't like um, movies that end on a bad note. I like movies that end on a happy note. I, I mean, it's like feel-good stories. I like stories where the winner actually is wins. He's supposed to win. She's supposed to win, and they do win, right? And uh, so, I was about to tell you about a movie that I just saw that <laughs> I decided not to. It was the Avengers, but I won't tell you about what happens now that I think about it. But, but I like stories that end well, right? And we like stories like Cinderella, who changed from a servant girl to a beautiful princess, or the Broadway play, My Fair Lady, about a backward girl who's trained and refined and transformed into this elegant, cultured woman, or Beauty and the Beast, where the beast turns back to his handsome prince. We love those transformations. And, and, uh, but we also love the product transformations. They promise if you just use their product, you'll be changed. Here's a man with yellow stained teeth, but in six weeks, he's got a beautiful white smile. Here's a very plain-looking woman, but after cosmetic makeover she's dazzling beauty here's marie osmond before nutrisystem here's marie osmond after nutrisystem now the greatest transformations happen in a person's life when they are transformed by the power of christ when they move from being a sinner to being saved from darkness to light from uh, death and to life and forgiveness and, and if we keep Living in that sin, we know we're never going to be transformed by Christ. But if we live, we say, I want to receive Christ as my Lord. He changes us. He, he receives us and he transforms us. And when we confess him and we believe in him, we print, repent, we're baptized. Some, God does something miraculous in us. The Greek word for transformed is the word where we get the word metamorphosis. It is a radical transformation. God brings transformation. And you have seen it and I have seen it. Some of you have seen it in your own lives. You've seen it in the lives of other people. You've seen it when you've seen marriages healed or somebody who used to lie and cheat and steal and now they're a, a person of values and they're honest. You've seen it where somebody used to be selfish and now they've become a servant. You've seen it where people used to be Steelers fans and now they're Bengals fans. Amen. No, it doesn't happen. But anyway, if it did, that would be awesome. But there are those who, when they're transformed, it is so powerful to watch transformation. And I have had kind of a front row seat to see that happen in people's lives over the years. I'm thinking about a guy named Steve and his uh, now wife, Christy, Steve Doherty, who came into a church that I was serving. And that day they came only to find a place to be married in. It was nothing about church at all. It just happened. They decided, hey, if we're going to find a church to be married in, maybe we should go on Sunday when they're actually there. And so they came in the back door. We did have a greeter there, believe it or not. And the greeter welcomed them. How are you doing? We're so glad you're here today. They walked them up. They said, they said we just want to find a place to be married. Can we talk to your pastor? They said, well, he's busy right now, kind of like doing the thing and maybe after you just sit in our worship and then after you can talk to them they said that would be great they sat in the back row Steve and Christy did and then I started preaching and that day it just happened to be about forgiveness and God's grace and life transformation and when we offered the invitation that day Steve and Christy Christine and Christy came down the aisle and said yes to Jesus they were baptized that day into Christ and they said later as they walked out of the parking lot to get in their car both of them wet hair like what just happened to us it's crazy not only that, we encourage them as a couple, because anytime a couple is living together, we always say, hey, before the marriage, you need to do one of two things. You either need to stop living together because the temptation is just too great in that setting, or you need to move your date up. And they did both. How many know what I'm saying? They did both. And he lived with somebody else for a while, and then they moved their date up, and Steve and Christy got married to one another. But that's not the end of the story. Steve began to play in our worship band on the drums, but he was also a real a thinker. 
he, he was somebody who liked to study. And he would meet with us for lunches, and he would ask deep questions of faith. And, and he was growing in his relationship with God. Eventually, he became one of our youth group sponsors. And then, when I left the church, another guy had taken over, and they made Steve a leader within our youth ministry. Then, Jonathan Bowe, who was our then youth minister at that time, was called to a different church in Charlotte, North Carolina, called Cross Point Church. And Steve was called with Jonathan to go and lead. And Steve today and Jonathan are leading thousands of people uh, to Christ in that church. And Steve teaches on a regular basis with them. And now he is writing. He's an author. And, and that is his story, starting one day when he just walked into a church to find a place to be married. You talk about the power of transformation. Now, maybe God doesn't call you to write books or to speak somewhere, but God has a purpose and a plan for your life, but it begins with being transformed. God wants to change your life so that he can use you. Secondly, true service requires cooperation. Verse 3 says, For by grace given me, I say every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Just as each of, of, of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. He's talking about cooperation. Your body functions well when all the parts do what they're supposed to do. Your brain, your hands, your stomach, your feet, everything works together. No part is competing for dominance over any of the rest of the parts. It all works together uh, properly in a spirit of cooperation. Now, in the church, to do that, it takes humility. Service that's really effective is, is always done in a spirit of cooperation, a spirit of humility. Humility and cooperation are not virtues that are high, highly esteemed in our culture, but they are highly esteemed in Christ's culture. Verse 16 says later, it says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. And that's a rare quality today. But humility is needed to serve other people. And when you take time to prepare a lesson and teach preschoolers at church, or you take a few minutes to feed and clothe someone who can't, or you plant flowers in the church flower bed, whatever your ministry is, when you are serving someone else in Jesus' name and for his glory, you're being humble. Richard Foster one time said, more than any other single way the grace of humility is worked into our lives is through the discipline of service course our example is Jesus at the last supper when everybody looks around and says who's going to do the dirty service of washing feet there's usually a servant person that will do that Jesus took his outer garment off and took a bowl of water and he washed the disciples feet and Peter argued with him Lord not me and not you you are well above this God why would you do this to me and Jesus said unless I do this you have no part in me and Peter said all right fine wash everything you know, dump the, dump the bowl on my head. And uh, Jesus washed their feet. And what he is saying is there are rewards for those who are humble that I want to establish for you a new kind of a trend that you should serve one another. And he said in that scripture, now go and do likewise. And I've talked to so many people who said when I went to visit that individual at the nursing home, I really didn't look forward to it. But when I finished, God blessed me. Or when I taught that lesson, or I sponsored that youth group, or I hosted that gathering at my house, I didn't really know what to expect, but God blessed me. And it happened to me not long ago. I mean, it, it happens um, fairly often, I guess. But a few months ago, we were at a church ga gathering, and we all went out on Memorial Day. 
and we said we're going to serve our local community. And one of our groups went to serve a nursing home uh, down across the street from the VOA park. And, and we went, we just had an ice cream social. We're just going to give ice cream to people. And we had some interesting conversations with people and loving conversations. But I went to one lady's uh, room, and we were going door to door because uh, we were going to say, why don't you come down and have ice cream with us? I knocked on her door. She had a beautiful smile, white smile. And uh, she was there in her bed, and, and she was so sweet and so kind. And she said, well, just come on in, honey. I said, do you want ice cream? She's like, oh, my goodness, yes. It was only like 10 in the morning, but she wanted some ice cream. You know what I'm saying? They deprive her. I don't know. But anyway, so they were like, yeah, bring it. I'm sure they don't. But anyway, bring the ice cream in. So I bring the ice cream in, and now we're there, and we're talking. And it was such a beautiful conversation because not only does she talk about the good things of life, she talked about the difficulties. She's estranged from her children. She's a believer in Jesus. They have both left the faith. They have nothing to do with her. And she is broken by that, and yet she still has this sweet, beautiful spirit. And I invited other of our teenagers to come in the room. Like, come on in the room with me, guys, because I want you to meet this lady. She is so sweet. And we gathered around and we prayed for her. And would it be okay? So, oh, my goodness, please pray for me. And when we walked out of that room, there wasn't a one of us that wasn't more blessed having gone in there. Um, and, uh, and she was so, so kind to us. And, and I tell you, what I've learned is you take the chance and you'll be blessed in return. But it takes humility. You've got to be willing to do what Jesus said. Everything he said was countercultural, but he said to gain your life, you've got to lose it. To experience eternal life, you've got to have the faith of a child. To receive, you've got to first give. And to be great, you've got to be a servant. And uh, we realize in the church that there is no one greater than anyone else. The greatest among you is those who serve. A church in England was honored by a visit of the Duke of Wellington, and everybody in the church that morning was proud that the famous military leader was attending their church. It was Communion Sunday, and they were going to have everybody, as the custom was in the church, come forward, and they were going to kneel down, and they were going to receive that communion. But when Wellington and his entourage went forward, every eye was on them. What would they do? Would they bow down? And of course they did. But just as they did, a beggar kind of what was considered the low life in their community, came busting in the back door and stumbled up to the front of the, the room, <coughs> the sanctuary, and knelt down right next to the Duke of Wellington. An alert usher immediately came by his side, tapped him on the shoulder and said, Sir, I'm sorry, you'll have to leave. Don't you know who that is? That's the Duke of Wellington. But just then, the monarch placed his hands on the beggar's shoulder, holding him down. And he said, Sir, stay where you are. There are no dukes here. And in an act of humility, he was saying the two of us are equal here at the foot of the cross. There is no distinction. All of us are the same. And friends, when it comes to service, titles and positions don't matter. All that matters is that Jesus Christ is looking for a few good men, men and women who are willing to become humble servants. And then finally, true service involves participation. Look at verse 6. It says, We all have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in a proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. But if it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Ministry and service involves participation. Every one of us has a job to do, a service that we can perform. And nobody is exempt from this, by the way. Everybody is, is in. You see, being a Christian means more than just coming to worship on Sunday morning. And if you're brand new to faith, and you're, or you're just checking it out for the first time, it's okay to learn and to sit and to grow a little bit. 
But one of the things I've learned is one of the ways to grow is not to be an audience member, but instead to be a participant. Somehow along the way, in the American church experience, and maybe worldwide, the culture has changed enough that church has become about a place that you go rather than a team that you belong to, (coughs) rather than a group that's on mission together. And somehow, the pastors have become the paid performers, and the church members have become the audience. And they figure they're regular attenders if they attend 1.6 times a month. That's what national statistics say. If you attend 1.6 times a month, you're like, I'm regular here. I'm like, I haven't even seen you in three weeks. That's okay. I'll be there in three and a half weeks. I'll be back. It's all good. But instead of that, what God has called us to do is to all be together, to be one, to be serving together, struggling together, working together, alongside of each other, where all of us participate. I came across a little video, a couple-minute video, that kind of demonstrates this in, in, uh, in a way that I think is interesting. Check this out. compelling, isn't it? When you think about what our mission is and what we're a part of, when, think, when we think about the stakes and how high they are, every single person getting involved, every single person serving, every single person saying yes to getting dirty in some way. I, uh, I'm inspired by uh, one of our guys that probably doesn't want me to acknowledge him even, but um, but appreciate Kevin and your heart. Uh, Kevin not only plays drums on Sunday morning, but if you notice our flower beds look a little bit better or maybe a lot better than they have in previous weeks and that's because Kevin a few weeks ago uh, emailed me and said hey would it be all right if I do some cleanup in the beds out here and I was like no no, we'd prefer they stay messy and weedy Um, no 
Absolutely, that would be awesome. Thank you so much. And so many, many hours have been out here cleaning and taking those humongous bushes out and trying to make everything look a lot better, and it definitely looks a lot better. And it just took a simple act of humble service. Now, Kevin, in his life, is doing tremendously well in his career and all of this, and yet here he is just in the weeds, literally, serving. It takes humility to serve, but it makes a difference to all of us. All of us are called to contribute in some way. And Romans 12 just says, look, we all have different gifts. Some of you prophesy or you preach or proclaim the word. Some of you sing and some of you teach. Some of you encourage. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. And you need to be using that gift on a regular basis. Uh, It's so good when I walk out there and I see somebody who I, I oversee or hear a conversation and somebody's just encouraging and breathing life into somebody else. That's so inspiring. And they're like, let's pray. They don't have to rely on me to go out there and find every single person with a need. Somebody else with that gift of encouragement is out there. Because how many of you know, some, some other people have the gift of discouragement, amen? And, uh, and they're going to discourage them in the world. And so they need somebody to build them up. Some of you have the gift of mercy, and you're so good at just showing grace to people. Some of you, the Bible even says, some of you have the gift of service. And, and you just enjoy just... Just doing the little things very well. And some of you have the gift of contributing the, to the needs of others and giving generously. Some of you have that gift. Some of you have the gift of organization or administration. There's a whole nother list in, in the scripture. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about gifts that are available. And some of you have those. And so when you talk about what are the gifts, how do I do it? I, I, when all of them are available to you. And, and while all of us are encouraged to do all of them, probably one of them raises to a level of this is what I should really be doing. There's even a gift of hospitality. Some of you are so good at just opening up your home. It's easy for you. You just enjoy doing it so much. And all of these gifts, when they come together, they make the church stronger. They make us who we are together as all of us are working hand in hand. So with that being kind of the theological or scriptural underpinning of what I'm about to ask, I want to offer and extend a challenge to everybody, and that is something we've been praying about as a team and something that I want to uphold as a value here, and it's a little principle called sit one, serve one, sit one, serve one, sit an hour, serve an hour, Um, and sit one, serve one means that, yeah, you come in for worship for an hour, but then also during the week or on Sunday at some point, you're serving an hour. That you're participating in the life of what happens in worship, but you're also then extending that to somebody else. And that might be greeting someone as they come in the door. It might be rocking a baby for an hour, coming for an hour service, and then going to rock a baby in the second service. It might be doing what Kevin did and working in the flower bed or being on the cleaning team or working on our, on our web kind of things or our images. There are so many opportunities available. Or maybe just opening your home for a community group or leading a community group or being a sponsor in our youth group. There are so many ways to serve. Sit one, serve one. And here's what we're trying to avoid. Here is a trend that we have seen over the years, and it has been growing in recent years. That is that we would have people that would serve in our children's ministry for an hour, and they would come only to serve, but they would not be filled up. And they would come for only their service. And while that is a blessing, we're asking you to make that commitment for a couple hours to say that I would sit and worship and be filled up so that when I give to the students, I will give from a place of overflowing. I will give from a place where I'm able to to give to them. And here's another trend that's just been recent trends. And that is some of our kids that have graduated from the 6th grade, now they're going to the 7th grade, and because we don't have junior high programming on Sunday morning, they've decided, some parents have said, hey, cool, we'll have our kids serve for an hour 
and we'll be in worship, and that way we don't have to deal with them while we're in worship, amen? And uh, that's the cool thing, except we're not going to have that um, anymore because what, it le- what tends to happen then is those students see that as an opportunity that, well, 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 maybe they're serving a little bit. Uh, their parents are kind of setting them aside. They're trying to serve a little bit, but they're also not being filled up. We want those children, those children led by the best people possible to lead them who are giving to those children out of an overflow of their own heart and experience. And so if you have children that that are in that junior high, senior high area and you're not sure, I want to encourage you, have them sit one, serve one. Come to 930 and worship or come to 930 and serve and then go to 11 o'clock and then worship or serve. Find an area. Now, I know anytime you uphold a value, there will be people who go, I'm in on that and I get it right away. There will be others of you that you have to grow to that kind of a level. But we want to elevate that as an experience and an important thing for all of us in the church. Some of you do it many more hours, by the way. Some of you, I know, you lead in kids' ministry. You host the community group in your home. You're on the serving team on Saturdays, and you are leading well in that area. You're spending multiple hours here. You know what they say, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And we don't want that to happen. We want to share the load evenly so that we are all part of this family together. When I was a kid growing up, uh, my mom did not do all the service in our home. How many know what I'm talking about? We had jobs and responsibilities, right? And when you got done at the table, guess what you had to do? You had to take that plate up, right? And you had to wash it off or you had to make sure it was taken care of. Some people had to take out the trash. Once a week, we had family cleanup day. Ours was usually on a Friday. And we made sure that the house was all picked up and clean because we were all part of that family. In other words, we not only received the privileges and the blessing of being part of that family, we also had part of the responsibility of that family. And by the way, we as a church have the same. We don't just come to receive. All of us have a part to play that's an important part. Several years ago, the, foundation, the founder of the Salvation Army was unable to attend their national gathering because of a serious illness. He was scheduled to speak. And so since he couldn't attend, he wired his message that he wanted to give to everybody else. Someone else could deliver his message. It was not a long message, but it was powerful. He wrote one word to the attendees of that convention. Others. Others. And in that, he reminded them that their vision was to serve other people. Jesus said it this way, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Now, some of you guys may be wondering, well, how do I do it? How do I get involved? The first way is to go to our app. And if you have questions about how to do that, go to the Connect area after worship, and they will tell you how to do that. And on that is a whole listing of ministry needs that you can check on and someone will follow up with you. Another one is when our people get up on stage or when they make an announcement, they say, hey, this is an opportunity for you to get involved. I would encourage you to jump on that and say, that's something we want to be involved in. Another thing you can do is just begin to pray. God, make it known to me. Make me aware of the needs and, uh, and begin to pray for that. And another way is to simply email us and tell us what you can do and how you want to be involved. Uh, and we, or we can give you some direction on that. There are many ways to do that. And over the next few weeks, you're going to continue to hear more and more about service opportunities. I want to pray for you. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. And God, we thank you for the values of Christ, the, the values that Christ laid out for us. That being a disciple was never about being comfortable. Being a disciple was never about just sitting back and relaxing. Being a disciple was taking up that cross, it was serving, it was finding ways to participate within the life and the body of the church, doing their part 
And so, God, I pray for all of us as we do our part. I thank you for our staff team, God, that's willing to not only do their ministry, God, but also willing to do the, the task that maybe sometimes nobody ever sees and nobody wants to do. But, God, they do it with diligence and they do it with excellence, and I thank you for that, God. Thank you for the time that our management team spends, not just in meetings, but they spend in serving in ministries, whether it be the tech area or leading our communion experience or filling up a communion tray or um, counting offering. And God, whatever it is, these individuals I, I honor today because they're serving and not only the big task, but the, the task that nobody sees. And God, I thank you for the example of, um, appreciate Kevin and his ministry here to to just simply do the flower beds or others who are greeting at the doors or others who are doing security and they're there in case something happens or someone has a need. Nobody ever knows, but they're there in case there's a medical problem or an issue. We have people in all the areas that are serving God, and I pray that that would continue, that all of us would see and, and uphold that value of sit one, serve one, and that we would not only worship, but that we would serve you. And God, today we sing, we thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.